are back with another episode of Bully Ball, episode 12. I'm Jason Aponte, joined again by Steph Sanchez. Steph, you're back. What's going on? I'm back. I'm back. I was just telling Rob first. Thank you, Rob, for filling in for me last week. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I feel great. You know, I feel better, but I still don't have sense of taste or smell. So, wow. you know, that sucks. But <laughs> glad to be back on. <laughs> I can't imagine what that's like for me. It, it just kind of it kind of felt like you just took a bye week because you're getting ready for the playoff push right now. And, uh, you know, se siente bien, uh, se siente bien, baby. Right. Uh, baby. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Steph, San Francisco 49ers have swept the NFC West. That game kind of felt like a formality, right? I think that the, the real topic is going to be who's next. And I think we're a little bit shocked at this point at who it is. Because, oh, my God, Steph, the big bad Packers and Aaron Rodgers, here they come. Frauds. Been frauds. No one was ever scared. Big, 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 big frauds. And that might be the last time we see Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform, but it is. You think? Yeah. I mean, whatever. Don't care. He doesn't scare anybody anymore. That whole boogeyman Baba Yaga thing. You can dress like John Wick, bro. You ain't John Wick. No one's scared anymore. Um, At least he finally cut his hair. So uh, that was driving me nuts. But he'll have plenty of time to grow it back now. Uh, But the 49ers are welcoming in the Seattle Seahawks on Saturday with the first game of the playoffs slate, which is actually really good for me. You get to watch the 49ers first um, and then enjoy the rest of the time. But are we better about Seattle coming into town than we are Green Bay at this point, Steph? If you compare all of the options that they had between the Packers, Lions and the Seahawks, I think most fans would agree that the Seahawks would probably be their preferred choice. So same for me. I I wanted them to make it. I thought it was going to be the Packers, um, especially after, you know, the Seahawks won early. The Lions had nothing to play for. So credit to Dan Campbell and oh, uh, getting his troops ready for that war. What a because, man. Um, you know, I made fun of him for saying, you know, they were going to bite ankles and all that, but there was some good ankle biting there Sunday night. So I, I appreciate it, yeah. you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, in the in-game interview, this is what you want to hear. He was asked, well, how do you get your team motivated with you being eliminated? He said, if we're not going, they're not going. You got to love that, man. I love Energy. the pettiness. I love it. If only the New York Giants believed the same sort of sentiment but hey either way uh i really like what the detroit lions did but how do we feel about saturday putting them as the first game doesn't it feel like the nfl is kind of like eh, this game's kind of gonna be a blowout you know i i wasn't so much a fan of it in the beginning because it's a short week but it's short week for both teams so i guess that helps and it helps that the 49ers won't be traveling for this game as well and the fact that it is an early slot yeah yeah you said it it's kind of the compliment right because if the nfl thought this game would be more competitive they would probably put it for one of the night slot games um, like I was thinking if if the 49ers were going to play the Packers, it would have definitely been that Sunday night game without question. And another thing, like I think it's good because, you know, I'm kind of putting my conspiracy hat on. So don't judge. Do but yeah, I think not only does it indicate the NFL thinks this could be a blowout, but it also indicates that they they might not try to push to make this interesting because in the past, like Seahawks 49ers, like that was a bread winning matchup right there for the NFL Seahawks, probably not good enough to be worth saving at this point. 
trying to turn into a Cinderella story. So I don't think the NFL is going to, you know, fuck around and try to get them the win too. I, I think the fact that the Seahawks even made the playoffs with Geno Smith at quarterback and everything that happened with Russell Wilson, that in itself is the Cinderella story. So we'll, we'll let them feel good for 20 minutes, but I think the 49ers are going to do what they do and uh, get this win. And honestly, I have the worry that Kyle Shanahan would maybe want to be a little vanilla and, and not show too much in this game, but it's the playoffs, man. I think they got to go all out in this one. I think they win by at least 20 points or they should, right? Like anything can happen, but they should win by at least 20. Cue the X-Files music. Steph Sanchez has a conspiracy on the line here. You know, the Seattle Seahawks had trouble um, in the two games. They only scored one touchdown, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in the two games. But it begs the question, and this is something that people were worried about last year with the Rams. Are you worried about the whole can you beat a team three times scenario with the Seattle Seahawks? See, for me, last year with the Rams, I felt that was a lot harder because they were so evenly matched. All those games kind of felt like that. But I don't feel the same. What do you think about uh, being able to beat a team three times in a season? Yeah, you make a good point about there definitely being a difference even in the regular season of how those teams um, matched up. Uh, I did see that since the 1970 merger, there's been 23 times that a team has beaten a team twice in the regular season and then met them a third time in the playoffs. The team that won the first two has a record of 14-9 and nine in the third meeting. And the team that won the first two and hosted a playoff game is 13-5 in the third game. And it seems that also playing the game at home plays a role as well, which, you know, the 49ers are going to be at home for this game. The last 18 times a team has tried to beat a team a third time in the same season, the home team has gone 12-6. and six. So this game being at Levi's, I think the 49ers being 8-1 and one this season at Levi's also bodes well for them. Um, but also, I think that the NFC Championship game against the Rams, that has to still have a bad taste in the 49ers' mouths. Um, and I just can't imagine that they would, you know, let this opportunity slip away. That They're not going to overlook the, the Seahawks, you know, despite what happened in the regular season. And Kyle Shanahan said it great today in his presser. He said he's not looking at it as the 49ers having to beat the Seattle Seahawks three times. He said their only goal is to beat them on Saturday. And that's a mindset you have to have because anything can happen any given Sunday, especially in the playoffs in the NFL. So you got to treat this as any other game. And so, yeah, I, I think the 49ers are up for the task. Yeah, we actually have a soundbite of Kyle saying it. Or, you know, I don't really look at it as you have to beat someone three times. I, you know, I um, I just look at it as we have to beat them once on Saturday. I mean, you know, you don't have to go uh, three and oh in one week. You have to go one and oh in one week, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's all. And that's from Kyle Shanahan directly. But uh, yeah, not, I do like not enough ums, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I need to work on it. I'll workshop it a little bit more. Um. <laughs> Speaking of Kyle Shanahan, and there's some other things that we should talk about, especially about this Week 18 game, what are concerns, things that, that we've been talking about. Kyle Shanahan has destroyed narratives this entire season, destroyed them. Um, he is one of three 49ers coaches to have 13-plus wins uh, multiple times. It's like him, this Bill Walsh guy, and George Seifert. Both of those guys won Super Bowls with the 49ers. But 10-win seasons back-to-back, back-to-back, Playoff seasons, two division titles in four years, 
winning with his third string quarterback. I thought I saw a stat that said 12 teams have started three quarterbacks this year. Now, some were out of necessity in terms of like the Giants. The Giants started Davis Webb because the game was not important to them. Thanks a lot, Giants. The, the game wasn't important to them, right? Like they didn't start Tyrod Taylor um, and Davis Webb started. So that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody started three quarterbacks out of necessity. But Kyle Shanahan has 10 plus wins in three of his last four years. Steph, put some respect on coach's name. I mean, come on now. Just the fact that the criticism of him or okay, not the criticism, but the wanting to fire him, you know, at every little mistake that he made, every slow start, I think was overblown. It's fair to criticize him, but, you know, to want him gone is just absolutely ridiculous and an absurd overreaction. Um, and with the playoff win uh, on Saturday, Shanahan can tie Jim Harbaugh, who the 40, uh, 49er fans hold very dearly. Mm-hmm. He can tie Harbaugh with five playoff wins if he wins on Saturday. So, you know, let, let's just keep busting more narratives, quite frankly. And, you know, Jay, this this is your topic. Like, oh, yeah. we're only Shans. Like, I'm going to let oh, you yeah. cook. But, like, I, I think it's, it's always ridiculous for me for, for people to suggest that he's not a great coach. I'm cracking my neck and everything. All right, let's do it. First of Don't all, cook. first of all, I saw you, all of you. Mike McDaniel was the genius. I wish Robert Sala was the coach. Why doesn't Kyle Shanahan become the offensive coordinator and allow D'Amico Ryans to take over? I saw you. I saw all of you. You know what else I saw? A guy was fired today by the name of Cliff Kingsbury. And I saw all of you when that team was 8-1 and one a few years back. Oh, why can't Kyle Shanahan be like Cliff Kingsbury? I saw all of you. I saw it. I remember. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, I am grateful that Kyle Shanahan is my coach. I am grateful that Kyle Shanahan is the leader of this team. I am grateful that Kyle Shanahan will be here for a while. We are done talking about other coaches. Mike McDaniel, his offense, they can't run the ball worth a damn. They squeaked into the playoffs. Robert Sala's team has a great defense. They got bounced when they played their third quarterback. But here's Kyle Shanahan winning 10 straight games with his third string quarterback. I just want you to know I saw you. I saw all of you. I saw you all. And it's okay. When you're presented with new information, you should be able to change your opinion. But I saw you. And I saw you say some very disrespectful things. 49er fans have a a really funny way right now of after the first drive, first half, to be able to throw the whole season away. Season's a wash. It's done. Diamondola gives up a play. Oh, God. The season's over. Game's over. This team is exposed. Good, good, goodness gracious. They can't, they can't win this one. Well, you did it two straight years with Kyle Shanahan. Three and five last year. Three and four this year. Won 10 straight games. It's time to stop it. Embrace your coach. That is my rant. Let's move on. And I already mentioned Diamondola Lenore. This is a perfect way to segue. Has our concern boiled over into straight up panic at this point? Because before we get into Diamandola Lenore himself, I want to point something out real quick. And this is something Rob and I talked about last week. When your defense is as stout as it is at both levels and you have studs everywhere, right? You're not going to challenge Mooney Ward. You're not going to challenge Fred Warner. You're not going to challenge Dre Greenlaw. So who do you challenge? Diamandola Lenore to Sean Gibson, who, by the way, has five interceptions. He had two in this game and Tarano Hufanga. Now, does this necessarily mean that they are targets because they aren't good, or is it because everyone else is literally a stud? So if you're an offensive coordinator and you come into these games against the 49ers, 
Are you saying, well, let's try to pick on Mooney Ward? No, it's got to be you trying to take advantage of these three players. Steph, are we nervous now? Because the personnel gets better. The quarterbacks get better. The offenses have a full year of game tape on all of these guys. Is it time to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Kent. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, I mean, whatever the opposite of like cautious optimism is, I guess that's what I would be. Because uh, I've said it before, and so like you raised a great point that I think teams cannot run on this defense. So, yes, we are going to see teams or opposing teams pass on this secondary a lot more. And it isn't a no-fly zone. Mooney Ward holds down his side, but who are they going to throw to? Like you said, Lenore. It's going to be Lenore who's going to get a bunch of those targets, and he's going to be easier to pick on. And Hufunga, as of late, it's been easy to bait him into mistakes. Um, you know, I I think that gets cleaned up, though. It has to. D'Amico, I think calling out Hufunga was a good step in the right direction. You know, it it showed that for one, D'Amico knows what the issue is. And I think that Raider game kind of just pointed out all of the issues um, with this defense. There aren't many, you know, but I, I think it was just a good example, something they can learn from. So I think that that game was important for them to have. We need the Hufunga from the first half of the season to show up in the playoffs. And uh, quite frankly, I think Lenore is going to continue to be who he's been. You know, uh, and I'm not concerned too much about the performance of one individual player. I think as a whole defensive unit, though, I I would like to see third down conversion percentage allowed to improve. It's that's been an issue all season. And that's like I said, uh, a defensive an entire unit issue, not just one individual player in the last three games. It, it's been worse. They've allowed opponents to convert 45% of their third downs. That's fourth worst in that span. So they've got to get that cleaned up and they have to limit the explosives. Um, I think that can get worked out, um, but I'm a little more concerned about not getting off the field on third down because in the playoffs, I think, that can kind of snowball and and that's something a situation that you don't want to get in when that really starts to pile up but i you know i i think Demika knows what he has to do i think this defense is full of veterans that know what needs to be done so i i'm hopeful that they they get it worked out yeah absolutely and you have to trust Demiko Ryan's at this point i mean they started Embry Thomas last year all the way down the stretch and they found a way to get that done and and play good football so yeah i think it starts up front you can not only just be around the quarterback with pressures but if you sack the quarterback it ends the play but i did find something while i was writing an article for ninersnation.com by the way guys i write for ninersnation.com don't know if you noticed um it's a bit of a tale of two seasons with this defense so in 2021, the 49ers defense finished sixth in the NFL in passing yards allowed with 206.5, but they were 28th in interception rate with 1.65% um, interception rate per pass. This year, they ranked 21st in passing yards allowed, but they're third in interception rate, 3.37. This is a clear discussion point for what's better, playing it safe or aggressive play. And I think you can deal with 
a coverage bust here and there if you're making game-changing turnovers. And give Gibson credit. He had two yesterday. George Odom had another. They had four turnovers yesterday. If you're turning the ball over four times and you give up one touchdown, I think I'll live with that. I will live with that every week. But if you're getting torched and there's no interceptions, that's where the problem is. Hufanga hasn't had an interception in a long time. Um, that's an issue. Lenore had an interception that was taken off the board. Okay. So it's a clear discussion of what are you willing to live with? Are you willing to live with the good plays and the bad plays? But if you're not turning the ball over, it's hard to live with those sorts of coverage busts and touchdowns. And I think right now it just is symbolic of, of a secondary that's boomer bust at this point. Feast or famine. Whatever your your cliche is at this point, that can either make you happy because you say, hey, you know what? They'll give up one, but they'll get two or can make you scared um, because they may just get towards and not do anything, you know, in terms of interceptions. But um, I think that was kind of the fear with Aaron Rodgers in terms of, you know, Aaron Rodgers might be able to exploit this. You know, yeah, they they have a good track record against Geno Smith. It may become a concern as the quarterbacks get better. No disrespect to Geno Smith. I'm not trying to write you so you don't write me back. Whatever you're saying is um, <laughs> I think he's had a great year. In fact, he set the franchise record for passing yards in a season in Seattle. Take that, Russell Wilson. One more kick uh, while you're out the door. But at the same time, uh, I think you can live with the coverage bus if you get the game changing turnovers. Turnovers are so big for not only momentum, um, field position and basically just stomping out drives. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works. I think D'Amico Ryans does know what's going on. I think he has known what's going on. I think this isn't something that's necessarily earth shattering. Uh, but yeah, it, it has to still be a concern at this point. Let's shift gears real quick, though. As usual, the 49ers are a farm system for everyone else's coaches. I mean, literally, the 49ers not only churn out starters who wind up getting paid or people that they pick up off the scrap heap that sign deals see Arden Key see Kerry Hyder who returned after he signed the deal for a little while but now obviously it turns to Black Monday happens today we've got coaches that are fired and teams that are not in the playoffs are starting to carry on with their business and it makes sense D'Amico Ryan's is being requested by the Broncos the Houston Texans he says he's not interested in the Texans job and I for one Applaud you, D'Amico Ryans, because I wouldn't want to go there either. It never seems like a place where things are on the up and up or coaches have a, have a real chance at anything. Shout out to Levy Smith. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, my God, you lost and you gave up the number one pick. Yeah, Levy Smith got fired and it wasn't because he gave up the number one pick. So, Steph, D'Amico Ryans, what are we doing here with this? I'm glad uh- also, to hear that he's not, um, you know, considering that Texans job, at least I hope that's true. As of right now, like the only like real official report that we have to go on is that they have requested an, an interview for him as well as the Broncos. So, you know, we, we haven't heard that he has officially declined or anything like that. But, uh, you know, he he's a guy that deserves to have his options open, who deserves to go to the best place possible he knows his worth and and i'm i'm very happy that he knows that he's not desperate to just get any head coaching job that pops up his way and uh you know quite frankly like the the texans don't deserve him four coaches in four years um so that that wouldn't be the place for him 
Um, as far as the Broncos go for selfish reasons, I I would kind of like it if he had to go anywhere to go to the Broncos because then I would, living in uh, Colorado, I would enjoy, uh, you know, maybe going to some Broncos games and watching D'Amico Cook out here. But I don't know. I don't know if I even like that that vacancy for him at this moment in time as well. I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson, these last couple games has looked kind of better but hard to look worse they're they're pretty much committed to him for several years and that's kind of a tight situation to be in um and they gave up a lot of picks for russell wilson as well so i don't know if i like that situation for him as well at the end of the day i know D'Amico ryan is going to go with what he feels in his gut is the best situation for him do you think jay if None of these situations pan out. Let's just say also the Broncos maybe go someone else, uh, maybe Sean Payton, maybe a Jim Harbaugh. Do we think that there's any possibility that D'Amico Ryans returns for one more year? I I need to hear like that there's a chance. I think there is at least a chance of it, right? Um, you know, him not immediately jumping at the open job. I mean, the Houston Texans have the number two pick. Um, yeah. That means that they're going to be in the market for a quarterback moving in the right direction, right, in terms of rebuilding. But I think there's at least a chance. Do I think it's going to happen, Steph? I, I don't think so. And he, you know, look, last year he got interviewed and he said, I want to stay and I want to build up my resume. That's admirable. But I think this is going to be too, too large to ignore. Um, and we still don't know what other jobs are going to open up either. Mm -hmm. um, there's playoff teams that may fire coaches at this point. So um, I think point. he should slow he should slow play this as best as he can. I, I don't think so, Steph, but I would love that. Well, like who... So let's just say he leaves because at this point, the writing has been on the wall. Um, do you have a favorite for potential replacement for D'Amico Ryans? Oh, yeah. I mean... The Vic Fangio thing is out there. I mean, he's as a consultant with the team. I think he consults with somebody else as well, too. So I don't read too far into that. But the Vic Fangio thing is something that has been out there and is tangible, is somebody who has a large track record. I mean, for God's sakes, his, his defense is all across the league. Everybody's using his his sort of style on defense. So um, that's an obvious one. Um, I don't think Chris Koserik is a, is a candidate. You've heard him say many times that he doesn't want that sort of job. I would love that for him. I think he's a phenomenal coach, but I do think he is better suited in the role that he's in. Joe Woods was just fired by the Cleveland Browns. That's somebody who has familiarity and the, the secondary loves him because he was a secondary coach. Clearly, you always love your secondary coach, but I'm going to say Vic Fangio for now until there's some other name that pops up uh, soon that, that I can point to at this point. I'm with you there. I think... Um you know, that's an ideal scenario for the 49ers. The fact that they even patched things up with him to begin with, I think is a good sign. The fact that he, you know, has been seen at the facility, I think is, is a good sign. The fact that they had the foresight to kind of, you know, invite him in, you know, a year early to just kind of get the lay of the land and, and say, Hey, like, look at our guys, like that you can right. have this, you know? So I, I like that move, you know, getting him involved this past year, um, but you never know, like D'Amico Ryans, I, I don't think a lot of us even imagine when Robert Sala was in discussion for, you know, getting the head coaching gig. I, I don't know if a lot of people besides maybe people who report uh, and, and know the team very closely that D'Amico Ryans 
was a, a candidate, right? So you don't know if there's a guy in the building right now who has a possibility of of being an in-house hire. I know the 49ers like to promote from within. So I think that's another possibility that we can't rule out. I know you mentioned Chris Kasurik, um, you know, wouldn't want to be a coordinator, but I'm sure there's some other guys. I mean, because this defense is is deep across the board, and and these coaches are are all great, so um, that could be an option as well. We'll just have to see what happens. That's a really good point because the 49ers do have this sort of fraternity farm system in which they have the next replacement kind of there. Continuity is very important for them, so I think that they want to have somebody who can step right in, like in the same way that D'Amico did when Robert Sala left. Um, I do think that there is a, a candidate, like you said, that we're not thinking of at this point that they have kind of in mind that wouldn't be somebody who's outside the building. And if it is somebody outside the building, it's somebody who was inside the building one way or another, whether that's mm-hmm. coached with Kyle before or coached his team at one point. So it's going to be interesting to figure that out. Shout out to D'Amico Ryans again. What an incredible season. And, you know, go get him, coach, man. Wherever you go, we'll root for you, just like we do with. Mike McDaniel, as long as you're not playing the 49ers um, and please don't go to Arizona. Um, That's just my plea. Please just, I I don't want to see you two times a year. I I don't like that idea. Speaking of interviews, the Tennessee Titans have requested an interview, Adam Peters and Rand Carthon. Is that, is that how you say that? Is that how you say that? Carthon. Okay, cool. For their GM opening, this kind of feels inevitable, especially with Adam Peters. So there's a lot of discussions around 49er fans about, Who's the guy finding all these mid-round picks? Who's the guy that is actually doing all the scouting? And that's Adam Peters. We'll never know whether he was the brains behind picks like George Kittle, Talano Hufanga, Fred Warner, Mitch Wisnowski, um, any of those guys later on in the in the draft. But Steph, uh, this does feel like, again, the 49ers are on the brink of losing someone else just because they're so loaded, not only roster-wise, but with coaches and in their front office. That's why they're in the position they are, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam Peters, like you said, the writing has been on the wall uh, with him as well. This is, you know, it feels like the last few years he's been getting consideration for GM openings. And this could be the year, like any year could be the year that, you know, he gets that offer. And as far as the 49ers go, I I feel like they they have to do whatever they can to to keep him in the building just because like I do firmly believe that he is kind of the brains behind what they've built. I mean, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I think John Lynch had a great season uh, as a GM, but, you know, I think Adam Peters has kind of been pulling the strings a little in the background. And I think Lynch has learned a lot from Peters in, in his time as GM. So I, I don't know how they make it work. And I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, maybe you can have Adam Peters get promoted to GM and and move John Lynch to another position in the organization. President. I'm not, yeah, president. I'm not sure how that works. Does John Lynch even want to do that? I can't imagine if that is something they've been thinking, I can't imagine it isn't a conversation that's being had already. But just, does John Lynch want to stay in a football organization or would he turn to broadcasting at that point? Because he would make so much more money. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, what happens, I think, at the end of this season will tell us everything is if the 49ers win a Super Bowl, maybe John Lynch feels good about walking away, uh, you know, a Super Bowl winner as a GM. So, you know, there's just so much that can still happen in these coming weeks that will give us an idea of what happens. And and Rand 
Carthon, I think, you know, we don't hear a lot about him because he's kind of behind the scenes as well. Um, but he's been the director of player personnel for this team. And I think he has, um, you know, made some great decisions for this team as well that, you know, maybe a lot of us don't even know about. So um, he gets uh, brought into the conversation quite a lot for GM openings these last couple of years too. So I think losing either one of those guys would be big, but if I had to choose between Adam Peters and John Lynch, for example, I think I I try to keep Adam Peters any way that I can. Absolutely. And real quick, because we're kind of banging the drum right now. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is the odds on favorite in Vegas for coach of the year. Steph, why is nobody talking about John Lynch for executive of the year? Go cook, please. Oh, oh come on. Um, yeah, I, I tweeted about this not too long ago. I mean, just the resume that John Lynch has put together this season. And I don't want to hear anyone because I, I tweeted about this and people were like, well, what about using up all those picks to draft Trey Lance? First of all, we don't know what Trey Lance is going to turn into. Mm-hmm. And second of all, that happened last season. So that shouldn't even be part of the conversation for for him potentially getting uh, consideration for GM of the year or exec of the year this season. Okay. So let's talk about what he did do this season. So first, all the changes that he made to the special teams unit, all the additions, all the crucial signings that he made, Ray Ray McLeod, um, George Odom as part of that, just a lot of guys, again, uh, uh, something that we don't always notice it, it isn't always surface level special teams but you know some important moves that helped uh that unit become better this season uh he signed Charvarius Ward as well who is having a great season I think he's completely transformed uh the secondary for this defense he drafted Spencer Burford and Brock Purdy in this year's draft both of those guys are now starting Burford has been a starter since the beginning of the season and Brock Purdy as we know was a final pick of the draft has won his last five starts. They kept Jimmy Garoppolo again, having the foresight to, you know, keep him in insulating your quarterback position. They didn't need to do that. It was just a move that was beneficial to them. And, uh, you know, that ended up helping the team. It was criticized at first, but I think we can all agree that was a good decision. Who knows what would have happened with this team had they hadn't done that. He signed to Sean Gibson early on in the season after Jimmy Ward went down with his injury. And uh, look what Sean Gibson turned into this season. Who would have expected that? He extended Drake Greenlaw after week two. Again, the foresight to do that, you know, Drake Greenlaw, maybe he knew that Drake Greenlaw was going to have a crazy season this year. I know you joked that, you know, whoever Greenlaw's agent is like, he should probably look for another agent to, you know, sign his extension after week two, after the season that he's having. But John Lynch, man, he made that move um, before Greenlaw went off this year. And finally, he traded for Christian McCaffrey, which I, I'm not sure there's any player um, that you can so clearly uh, and quantifiably, I think that's a word, uh, <laughs> can see the changes that he made from from the moment that he stepped onto the field. Uh, so that move was massive for this offense and for this team and their outlook. They, I'm not sure they're Super Bowl contenders without Christian McCaffrey getting traded to the 49ers. That's all John Lynch right there. So I absolutely think that he should be executive of the year for some of the moves that he's made this season. Absolutely. And Drake Relaw would have just went full fat Joe and said, yesterday's price is not today's 
price as he should have but right way to go john lynch um yeah and i agree with all those points i do think it's time to give him a little bit more love i wish i knew about more executives so i could at least try and contrast and compare but you know us being biased at this point i mean look at what john lynch did and there's a discussion about well would you have traded for christian mccaffrey if this team was off to a better start we don't know we wouldn't know but they did and it changed the season and they did something that a lot of 49er fans gave the Rams credit for, which is going for it and seeing that your window's open. So, hey, they did something out of the ordinary. They did something that felt a little bit different for them. Some picks. Uh, I mean, <sighs> some people thought it was an overpay. Wrong. All right. Uh, <laughs> Steph, we're getting to the end here, but these are, these are the hard-hitting questions now. This season, if it doesn't end with a Super Bowl, would you consider this season a disappointment, Steph, if the 49ers do not continue and finish the quest for six uh, saying that I despise, by the way? Um, before the season, I I would have said yes. Right. And early in the season, after they started uh, three, four, I, I honestly was like, you know what? I would just be happy if this team made the playoffs, right? I think all of us kind of shifted our expectations after that 3-4 start. But you know what? A- after all that, they've won their last 10. They've gone on this ridiculous run. They look like the team they should have looked like at the beginning of the season and all season. So, hell yeah. To me, it would be a disappointment if they don't get a Super Bowl at this point. So my expectations are high, as high as they can be, as high as they should have been from the start. I mean, especially after the season that they had last, uh, you know, ending the season like they did last season uh, in the NFC Championship game. Uh, to That was a painful one. So I think they, they need to get the bad taste out of our mouths as well as their own. And the only way you do that is with the Super Bowl. This is one of the rare times on this podcast or in life that I'm going to disagree with you here. And this is why. (laughs) Yeah, I know, Steph. I I can't believe it either. I think the expectations are, are changed. And with the way that the NFC is shaping out, you should feel confident that the 49ers would at least make the NFC championship. So let's take a look around. Right. The Philadelphia Eagles, you won't have to face them until the NFC Championship. The 49ers are the two seed. I think we can all safely say that the Minnesota Vikings are frauds. The Dallas Cowboys are up and down. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers somehow with the gross record of eight and nine are in the playoffs. And it's so gross and it makes no sense. And they, they don't deserve to be there. Seattle, the New York Giants. Um, when you look at those teams, you feel that there's a tier in the NFC. There's a tier. And the Eagles and the Niners are the top tier. And then everybody else is everybody else. Lump them all together. They're all the same. So I would say that not making the NFC championship game would be a disappointment. Now, Super Bowl is a completely different thing. And again, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with people who have expectations. You know, 49er fans want to win multiple Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls, right? I don't want to win one. I want to win two and three. Well, let's look back at history. Tom Brady's the only guy that wins multiple Super Bowls. Everybody else just is happy to get theirs and get out of there because you know how hard it is to win in this league? Mike Tomlin's got one. <laughs> Bruce Arians has one. Andy Reid has one. Aaron Rodgers has one. Patrick Mahomes has one, right? So this whole idea of, well, I don't want to win one. I want to win multiple. Let's win one first and let's figure it out. It's very hard to do in this league. And I think when you look at the way this team has played, 
when you look at Brock Purdy, when you look at who might be on the other side coming out of the AFC, it's conceivable that the 49ers might not win the Super Bowl, right? You would have to do it on the back of a 14-game win streak, which is incredible in itself. So no, I wouldn't say that this season is a disappointment if they don't win the Super Bowl. I would say it's a disappointment if they don't at least make the NFC title game because they're that much better than everybody else in the NFC at this point. Now you want Brock Purdy to go into Philly, right? If this is the case and beat them there. And man, I don't care what happened this week. Philly, you know, kind of was vanilla, got out of that game healthy. Jalen Hurts isn't all the way healthy, but man, they're, they're solid everywhere. Everywhere. Secondary. I mean, it can you can't name a better duo than James Bradbury and Slay. They got uh Chauncey Gardner Johnson back. You look at that run defense, you look at who they added in Dominican Sue, and you know that that line is good. You know, you look at the weapons on offense. There's not a hole in the Eagles. There's not a hole in the Eagles. So for me, I'm gonna disagree. And I would say that the NFC championship game is at least where they need to go. And if they don't get that, that's a disappointment. Losing in a divisional round is an absolute disappointment when you gather who's left in the NFC. Not scared of Tampa Bay, not scared of Dallas, not scared of Minnesota, not scared of the Giants, not scared of the Seattle Seahawks. So, yeah, Steph, for the one time on this podcast, I'm just going to disagree with you this time. But it's all love. It's all love, I promise. No, no, no. You, you brought up some fair points. So, I mean, were, were you a little more disappointed uh last season given that it seemed like the 49ers were kind of the top tier of the NFC right so like were you more disappointed then than you would be this year um you know if they lost in in the NFC championship game again I was actually and I was at the game um I was more disappointed last year and you have to remember the circumstances Jimmy Garoppolo's injured Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy Garoppolo um you were asking them to beat a team that they had beaten many times in a regular season but you had to do it three times in the same season you know Tom Compton's warts showed up a bit um you know the it it's it was more disappointing last year because it felt like it was right there in front of them, especially the AFC championship game goes off and you see that the Cincinnati Bengals knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs and you think, damn, here go the 49ers and they're going to play in so far against the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that they beat. Um, this year, when you look at Brock Purdy, we're all excited. I am. Um, I would not be disappointed in the kid because he's only started five starts and, you know, he, he's playing incredibly but, well yeah. but he but to me he's looked better than oh, yeah. any quarterback oh, that yeah. Kyle Shanahan has had so that alone I think kind of like puts some favorably like against a lot of these offenses I mean the the way the points per game that they're averaging mm-hmm. with him at quarterback of course like uh Christian McCaffrey helps mm-hmm. but you know what they've been able to accomplish like these last few games I think they're they're balanced as well. And yeah, I know you said there's not a lot of holes on the Eagles. And I agree with that. There really isn't. I think that NFC championship game, if it's Eagles Niners, that will be a hell of a game for the NFL. And, you know, it'll just be a, a matchup of two teams that I think are very similar in like their their makeup and 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 how you know, they're balanced on both sides of the ball. So I just know that whoever does win that game, like would deserve it, you know, and, yeah. and that's always a good feeling to have. So while we disagree on this, I get your points. Um, those were all fair. And I, I completely understand not winning a Super Bowl being a disappointment because the 49ers are going on 27 years without one. 
So, I mean, the, every every team is disappointed. That's why there's only one Super Bowl winner and 31 mm-hmm. other teams that don't. So, um, great discussion. See that? You can amicably disagree and and keep it moving. We're not, podcast isn't breaking up. Me and Steph are not going to follow each other on Twitter because of it. Um, but let's get to it. Score predictions for Saturday at 4.30. Feels so weird to say that. Saturday, 4.30 on ABC. Seattle, San Francisco, 3. What do, you, um, what do you got? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say 30-17. I'm going to be generous to oh. the Seahawks because, like, I think I think they know, like, they don't have much to lose. Like, they know that it was a long shot for them to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. I think, especially at the end of the season. So I think they're, they'll just be happy to be there. And I think Pete Carroll is just going to, like, you know, try to – do as much as he can. He's got some crazy plays up his sleeve, right? You know, so I'll, I'll give him some, I'll, I'll give him 17, uh, also a divisional opponent, uh, third time they've seen each other this year. Second, this is the first time that Brock Purdy has seen a defense for the second time. Good point. Uh, so that could play a factor as well, but you know, I, I think the 49ers are just too much for the Seahawks. Um, so 30, 17. Yeah, I've got it 34 to 10. I I don't see how they're going to score points in this game. I mean, just based off of the way that they've been playing. um, I mean, the Rams gave them the Rams should have won that game a few times. Um, And obviously divisional opponent, you get it. But not trying to disrespect or anything like that. But yeah, I do think the 49ers are too much for Seattle at this point. I do dislike what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to say it. (sighs) Seattle's loading up again. And they're on the right path, man. They're going to have a high pick. They are setting the culture. They smashed last year's draft. All they have to do is do it again. They'll get players back. Oh, God. Seattle's not going anywhere, are so they? Let's, that's, that's why. No, they're not. And, uh, and that's why we just got to enjoy being, you know, this this better than them the while we team. can. Because like, yeah. it's going to be another battle once again. The Rams are out of the picture. The Cardinals are out of the picture. It's going to be 49ers-Seahawks uh, rivalry for maybe the next decade. So <sighs> Time is a flat circle, and I don't want to be here. I don't like this. I don't like it. But uh, here we are. Maybe the 49ers can exact some revenge on Seattle for all of the misery they have cost. 49ers players and fans um, in the playoffs, but that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network wherever you get all of your audio podcasts. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me at Jason Aponte 2103. Make sure you leave that five-star review on iTunes so we can read it on here and you know what? You know, say whatever you want. We have to read it, but uh, for Jason, if you want. Yeah, exactly. For Jason, for Steph, we're out of here. Peace.